Man, we're so excited that you're here. We welcome all those watching online, whether you're watching somewhere local or you're watching from around the world. I got a message the other day from somebody from the Philippines who was watching and said, we're watching for the Philippines. God bless you. So wherever you're watching from today, we're so glad you're watching. We pray God blesses you. If you're in our area, we pray, come and be our guest. We would love to have you. It's one thing to watch online, but it's, a no, it's on a whole another level to be in, in the house, right? Amen. So we're so glad you're here. Today, we're continuing our series called The Good News. And we're going to talk about the good news about our rest. We all need rest, especially spiritually. We live in a culture that promotes one of two things. One, either you, you don't work. And you're like, I just want to get everything I can for free, right? But we have a lot of people we know like that. And why should I work if the government's going to give it to me for free? I should just stay home. But the Bible is very clear in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. It says, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. And so that is for government assistance. It's for those who are physically unable who have disabilities, that's what that is there for, or those who have reached that retirement age, and they can, they can begin to get their retirement. But if you can work, you need to work. And we have those who need to learn that, because why? I can make more money staying at home than I can going to work. Let me tell you, God's math is not the world's math. And when you begin to put godly principles in your life and go to work, even though you could probably stay at home and cheat the system and try to get money, God won't bless that. But God will bless the person who gets up and works. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better work. All right. Then we have the exact opposite. We have those who like the work. Matter of fact, sometimes they work too much. And they, they work two or three jobs, and they're working, working, working. And I get it. Sometimes there's seasons when we need to work extremely hard. If you're trying to get a business started, or you're in a busy season at your store or at your job, it requires more hours. And there's nothing wrong with working hard. I, I commend. I commend those with a hard work ethic. God, God commends those with a hard work ethic. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But we also can't forget the commands of Scripture that we need to rest. And you can function more on, on uh, one or one and a half, maybe even two days if you can squeeze it in of rest than you can on working two or three, two or three times a day for six or seven days in a row. You gotta have a, a time of rest. It's the way God made us. We can refresh, recharge, and go. Uh, rest is really important. That's the way God created us. For our minds, for our bodies, for our spirit, rest is really, really important. God, God works best in those who Rest. Did you notice the pun there? God works best in those who rest. And I'm not talking about those who are lazy, but I'm talking about those who make sure to at least set it aside one full day. And maybe another half day, if you can fit it in somewhere at least. Uh, rest for your mind, for your spirit, your soul. And Paul, really, as we get into the book of Romans again today, this whole study on the good news is found in the book of Romans that we're going through. And today we're going to be in Romans chapter uh, 8. And Paul has a lot to say about how we can learn to rest. Write this down. Number one, how do we rest in God? We rest while he works. We rest while he's at work. Now, I've come to the season of my life where I appreciate good rest. I've come to the season of my life where I really value a comfortable mattress. Anybody feel me today? Uh, when I'm booking a hotel, 
I'm not worried about how big the swimming pool is. I'm not worried about the amenities. I'm looking at the star rating on the bed and the mattress and the pillows and the threat count. Why? Because I, I value good rest and I, it's worth investing a little more. I'll pay a little more to sleep on a better bed because I know me. If I don't get good rest the next day, I'm going to be cranky. I'm going to be irritable. No amens for my wife. But she understands this. So I, I've got to, I got to have this. And so I appreciate good rest. I, I love, I love the recliner. And I don't know, every guy's got a, got a favorite chair at home, right? We go home, we sit in that favorite chair and we get there. You know, I, I love it. This time of the year is so great. I love to go sit in my favorite chair at home. When time starts changing and it gets darker sooner, you start lighting that fire and put on a bowl of chili and come on now, put on a good Christmas movie or something this time of year or watching a ball game curled up with your favorite blanket. Oh, yeah, you know, you know that, that carb, that carb coma nap you get at the, on a Sunday afternoon after you ate a big lunch. Uh, there's nothing like a great spirit of rest. It, you know, as I was reading and studying this book of Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit really dropped it to me like this, that this whole chapter of Romans chapter 8 really should put us at rest. God wants us to have, there's certain verses in the Bible that I call life verses. They're verses that every believer should have that allows them to be at rest in what God's doing in their life. And this book of Romans chapter 8, wow, it's got some powerful verses like this. I want us to look at it because it's going to teach us how during the, the hardship, how during worry times that we can be at rest. And so to illustrate that today, I'm going to read some of these power verses from my, I got to preach more from these recliners. I love, I love, I love chairs like this. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, 28. God wants us at rest knowing this. And we know that God causes everything, come on, say that, causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That means God causes every pain, every bad season, every job change, every difficult thing. If I will allow it, God will cause it all to turn around for the betterment in my life if I'll just rest in him. He wants us to be at a place of rest. That means I can't walk around worrying. This goes back to the same principle. This is nothing new. Paul was teaching us the same thing in chapter 5. Remember I read it a few weeks ago. He said that suffering, endurance, leads to character, leads to hope. So this is a, he's saying the same thing again to us here, that when we're going through times of suffering, Things don't look great. It's okay because it's going to produce an endurance. So I can sit down and rest when I'm in a time of difficulty, knowing that God, you're producing endurance, character, and hope. And the chapter 8 says this, that you're going to turn it around for my good so I can rest in the middle of any difficult season of my life because God is at work in my life. So we got to learn that. We got to understand that. I can rest in that. God doesn't want me being dominated by worry. He wants me to rest in the promise that he'll cause things to work together for good. In case you don't know this, our God specializes in resurrecting dead things in our life. 
Just when your job looks dead, God has a better job waiting for you. Just when your marriage looks like it's in trouble, God can do a miracle. Just when your children look like they're far beyond reach, God can do a miracle. Just when your health looks like there's no answer, God can heal and bring back the life. Just when it looks like those bills won't get paid, God can provide a way in your life if you'll just learn to sit in the presence of rest. God, you are in charge. You are large and in charge, right? And I've got to learn to be at rest and not let my fears dominate my life. Number two, write this down. Trust in God's provision. Learn to trust in God's provision. God has a way. God has a way of turning things around. If he did it for David, he can do it for you. If he did it for Ruth, he can do it for you. If he did it for Joshua, he can do it for you. If he did it for Noah, he can do it for you. Come on, if he did it for Paul, he can do it for you. He continues, the whole Bible is full of story after story. Jacob, Job, Jonah, Lazarus. Come on, God can do things. Daniel. The three Hebrew children, God has a way of making provision and turning things around. That's what he specializes in. This is the character of God. That when we give up control and learn to rest in him, knowing that he's going to turn it around for good in my life. That's what he does. So I set and realize that who's in control and then I realized I got to trust that God's got the provision. I got to trust that God has got the answer in my life. This is what God does. Look at the next power verse here. Come on, I love this. Let's get back over here. Okay. This is our power verse, Romans 8, 31 and 32. Mm, I love this, Lord. All right. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Come on now. Do you get that message today? If God is for you, who can be against you? Let me put it another way. If I invite you right now to get out a pen and paper and begin to make a list of all your haters. Well, thank God. I need to write that list out right now. Thank you, Jesus. I, I mean, we can make this long list of haters. They hate me on my job. They hate me in my family. My ex hates me. This person hates me. This person's talking bad about me. This person's slandering me. This person's trying to do me under. Oh, we can list all of our haters. And some of you could write a book. Then I invite you to make a list of who's for you. But at the top of that list, make sure you remember this. And write the name of God the Father. Because it says, if God is for me. If God is for me, it don't make a difference. You can get up and rip up our whole sheet of haters. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? So quit walking around worried about, oh my God, what are they saying about me? What are they, these people are trying. Listen, if God is for you. Who can be against you? Get some spiritual eyes. Look out out the, see. Who do you see? 
They're, they're surrounding us. No, no, no. Open his eyes, Jesus. Open his eyes. Open his eyes and he can see. And his eyes are open. And he says, oh, many are for us now. I see the angels of the Lord surrounding us. I see the army of the Lord there. If God is for me, no hater can defeat me. Let me put it out that way. If God is for me, who can be against me? I can rest in that. You've got to learn to rest in this, knowing this, God is for me. Who can be against me? This is where my rest comes from. Quit going out there trying to fight every hater. Quit trying to go out there and defeat them. I'm going I to mm, let them know this. I'm going to post this about them. I'm going to share this about them. I'm going to, if God is for me, I can be at rest. I can't tell you how many times I've had to delete my comments on somebody else's ridiculous posts. But I'm like, God, if you are for me, who can be against me? I can't tell you how many times I wanted to drive over to someone's house and knock on that door. But God, if you are for me, who can be against me? And I've learned to rest in that. And God always, hear me, God has never, ever failed me in this area. He has always, at some point, turned it around for my good. So I learned to rest in that. I learned to be there. You know, he cares and he wants. James 4.2 backs up the same principle. It says that we got to learn to ask, right? You want what you don't have. You scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. And look what it says. Yet, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. I got to learn. God, you're going to cause all things to work together for good. And I can't be afraid to ask. I mean, how silly would it be if we went out and spent a lot of money on some brand new shoes for our kids for school? Let's say you're feeling really generous this year and you decided, man, I'm going to buy them. Go in and get any shoe you want for this year. You can have any shoe you want inside here. And they go in, you spend $150 on a brand new pair of the top Nikes or Adidas or whatever. And the kid's like, wow, dad, wow, you're generous this year. Thanks. Woo. Yeah. And then how, how ironic would it be if a couple months later, they had some dirty shoelaces and they were afraid to ask you for a brand new pair of $5 shoelaces for those $150 shoes. You're like, I spent $150 on your shoe. I want you to keep some clean shoelaces. Yeah, here's three or $4. Go buy you some clean shoelaces. But for some of us here, that's the way we live our life. We live our life in a way that does us. Look at the second part of this verse in Romans 8, 31 and 32. Remember, he causes all things to work together. Who can be against us now? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Wow. I can read that verse and be like, all right. <laughs> this is great, Lord. Because what he's saying is this. Your biggest need in your life. What was our biggest need? My biggest need was not a new car. My biggest need was not a new house. 
My biggest need was not a new job. My biggest need and your biggest name is the same. I needed my sins forgiven. There was no way I could write this on my own. So God sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for my sins, for your sins, so that all who believe would now be put and made right in God's sight. That was my biggest need. I needed to be made right before God. And because God says this, because I met your biggest need, I gave up my son to meet your biggest need. Won't he also take care of the small things in your life? The things we think are big are are really small to God. The things we think are big are really, really small to God. And so he wants us to remember he's taking care of the big things in our life. He's taking care of the most important thing of our life. Everything else is gravy to him. Everything else is smooth to him. And I've got to realize I don't have it a lot of times because I simply don't sit and trust. And then I don't ask. And if I ask and it doesn't happen, then I've got to be in a place of trust and saying, all right, God, you didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted it to happen, which means one of two things. One, it's not my right time yet. And you're going to bring something else along the way or two, it wasn't for me. You've got a better plan. So I'm going to rest that you got a better plan. I'm going to rest until you unfold that better plan. And I, either way, I find my place in a place of rest. Rest. Listen, we can worry or we can trust God, but we can't do both. Look at that statement. We can worry or we can trust God, but we can't do both. Many of us are like, yeah, God, oh, God, when are you going to answer this prayer? God, 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 when's this going to happen? God, I got to have another job. God, I got to have this bill paid. God, I got to need this. God, I need that. And we walk around worrying all the time. Or we can be like, God, I don't know where the answer's coming from, but I know you're in charge. So God, here's my request. Here's my need. I'm going to rest in you. Because you're going to cause all things to work together. I can worry. I can pull my hair out. One person told me, the dentist told him, man, you've been worrying. You've been chomping your teeth in your sleep. She said, I'm going to take this message and listen to it at night before I go to bed. Why? Because I can worry or I can trust God but I can't do both. And this is where I'll find rest. This is where I can relax. I'm trusting the Lord. Early on in our marriage, my wife used to get so upset at me because we'd have a big issue coming up and I'd be sleeping and she'd wake me up and be like, how can you sleep when we got to deal with this next week? I'm like, honey, I know God's got this, and on that day, I'll worry about it. But until then, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to rest. And she used to get so mad. Now we've learned to come and kind of merge together. Now she's learned to trust the Lord a little better, and I've learned to maybe worry the day of. But I don't, you know, we've learned to trust the Lord. That's really, that's what he says. The Bible says don't worry about 
tomorrow when today's got enough things to worry about. What was he saying? He's saying basically this, there's always going to be something you can worry about so you can let worry dominate your life or you can find a place of rest. You can find a place of comfort that God is going to turn it around for my good. It may not be the outcome I saw coming, but God's got a better outcome waiting for me. It may not be what I wanted, how it wanted it to end, but God's ended it for a reason. There's something better going to happen. You've got to have a mindset of God, you've, I've lost this job, but there's another job waiting that's going to be better. I lost this job. Yeah, but you were working like a dog. Your kids are growing up, don't even know who you are. God's causing all things to work together. I remember one time early on as I was a pastor, I had a young man come to me and said, Pastor, he goes, my company is, uh, is, is doing, there's some things my boss is doing that I feel like are illegal and I don't know what to do. I feel like I need to tell the owner, but he's my boss and I don't want to override him. What's, what, what should I do? And I said, you're just going to have to pray about it, but you know, if God's leading you in your spirit, you need to tell. I said, you need to be obedient to that and just trust the outcome. So he did that. He prayed about it and he went to the owner and said, hey, my boss is doing some things that are illegal for the company. I think you should know about this. I don't feel right about doing this. You know what happened? He got fired. I know. I was thinking, man, this guy's going to get promoted. He's going to, the boss is going to be like, yeah, thank you for being honest, you know. But instead, this guy got fired. So he comes to me and says, hey, pastor, I got fired. I took your advice and I got fired. My God, I gave him your advice and he got fired. They gave him two weeks severance pay. And he called me up at the end of a week and said, Pastor, I just got some good news. He goes, I got two weeks severance pay and I got a call from my competitor company and they're going to double my salary, almost double my salary to come work for them. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can rest when God's, when you do the right thing and trust the Lord, God always works it out for good in our life. He wants us to give our cares to him. He cares about the small things. And number three, the last point I'm going to give you today is know where he sits. We've got to know where Jesus sits Romans 8, 33 and 34. Now, let's, let's get cozy here again. Okay, all right. This is what Jesus says. Who dares accuse us from who God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. That's the big thing, taken care of. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us, pleading for us. That means Jesus is sitting right next to the Father at the right hand of the Father at a place of honor. And he's saying, Dad, Tim really needs you today. Dad, Becca really needs you today. Dad, Becca's married to Johnny. She really, really needs you. Dad, they need you. Dad, I, I, Dad, I know what it's like to have physical pain in your body. Dad, they need you. Dad, I know what it's like 
to work hard. Dad, I know what it's like to lose a bid on a contract. Dad, I know. Dad, I know what it's like to have your closest family make fun of you and reject you. Dad, I know what it is to have your best friends betray you. Dad, I know what it is to have people who are yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, one week, say crucify the very. Dad, I understand the haters. Dad, they, they need, Dad, they need you. Dad, I know what it is to be tempted in this area. Dad, they need you. And we can rest knowing that Jesus is at a place of honor at the right hand of his father, pleading for us, seeking intercession for us. So I can say, Father, I need you. Jesus, I need you. And Jesus is interceding on my behalf and will cause all things to work together for good in my life. Come on now, someone get God a praise. Thank him that he causes all things to work together in my life. I'll never recover. Yes, you will. Because he'll cause all things to get better. I'll never be healed. I guess you haven't read the story. No matter what happens on this earth, I'm going to receive a new heavenly body. You can have haters against you. But if God is for me, who can be against me? Rest. This is rest. Look, we are not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. I don't have to fight for my victory. I've already won. Let me give you a little, you know, cliffhanger. I want spoiler alert. We've already won. If God is for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper in the name of the Lord. Church, we win. The fight is fixed. So I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from a place of rest saying, God, you're going to bring about victory. God, I've, I'm already victorious in you. God, you're going to cause this thing to turn around for my good even when I don't see it, even when I don't understand it. God, you're always working. You never stop working. I put in my eyes upon him. Romans 8, 38 and 39. I am convinced. Look at this. I am convinced with a warm blanket. With my feet propped up. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor even demons. Neither our fears for today or even about our worries tomorrow. Come on, rest in him. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I can rest in this knowing this, that he already loves me as much as he's going to love. He'll never love me any more than he loves me right now, and he'll never love me any less than he loves me right now. God, I rest in that. We need to learn the good news is this. The good news is we can have rest in any storm. We can have rest in any season. We can even have rest in any failure. Because God covers me. And he will always turn things around for my good if I'll just learn to trust him. 
trust him. God, I seek you in all my ways that you will direct my path. Help us to learn to trust, God. Help us to learn to trust. I don't want to be dominated by worry. I want to be dominated by trust in the Lord. Here, I can find rest. Here, I can lay my head down like a cold side of the pillow. When it feels good, I can rest in the Lord. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. That your grace covers us in a multitude of sins. And today, if you're here, you need to say, Pastor, I'm ready to surrender my life fully to Jesus. That's the most important question. Have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But today's your day to make that decision. We won't do anything to single you out. We're not going to do anything to embarrass you, I promise you. But if you're ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, without anybody looking at me, can you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Anybody else want to join these people? Yeah, thank you. I see those hands, guys. What a great day to come back to the Lord. What a great day to surrender your life to Jesus. If you haven't raised it yet, raise it right now if you're ready. Thank you. I see those hands slowing up. Yeah. We're going to say this prayer out loud together. If you raised your hand, I want you to repeat it after me. As Christians around you, we'll help you along as well. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe in your heart and you confess that with your mouth today, we say welcome to the family of God. Give him a big hand. What a big, awesome opportunity today.